Well, good morning. Um, as I was introduced, my name is Eric, and I'm really glad to be here with you this morning. You may hear I got a little bit of a cold, and I apologize for that. I usually don't sound like a frog. I usually sound more like a giraffe or I don't know. <laughs> but, um, so I'm a little uh, under the weather, but I'm really glad to be here this morning and have the opportunity to, um, to share from God's Word with you. Uh, as was introduced, my, um, my current work is within our conference um, as the director of Next Gen Ministries. And so uh, this is a covenant church, and the covenant is um, all over the world, in our country, and in our region. And we have a regional office we call the Pacific Northwest Conference. And within that office, I get to do some really fun stuff. Um, and uh, I get to support Kara and Cindy and what they do with ministry here at the church. Um, I also, one of the big responsibilities I have is over communications. And so I need to have like an obligatory moment to encourage you to check out our website and our Facebook group and our Instagram feed. Um, I think we have slides and there's, um, there we go. So we have a newsletter called The Catch that you can sign up for on our website, which is right there. Uh, we also have a Facebook group, Instagram, and Twitter feed, and we keep those things, lots of information flowing through those all the time. So I encourage you to check those out. I also bring greetings from our superintendent, Greg Yee, and we are really excited about the ministry and what's happening in the life that um, God has got going on here at this church. And so um, thank you so much for the opportunity I had to, to, for me to be here. I want to introduce my family. Uh, I think there's a picture of us. There we are. Uh, just uh, last week, we were in New York City, and uh, that's a picture from the top of the Empire State Building. And um, so my wife, Melanie, is there, and she's with me this morning. And she uh, uh, is uh, a really good example of someone who God has called to a ministry in the secular world. And she serves as a speech pathologist in a middle school in the Portland area, and I just love to see how God works in and through her with the students through her job, which is awesome. And then I have um, a 17-year-old son. He's on the far right with the long hair. He just graduated from high school. And then my daughter, oh, his name is Duncan, and then my daughter there, um, her name is Ella. She's four, uh, 15, so she just started driving, so be sure to pray for us, right? So. <laughs> She's doing a good job, though. Um, so, uh, curling is a sport that gained a lot of popularity at the most recent Winter Olympics. Yeah, there's a slide of it there. And I was um, looking online to find out why do they call it curling, and I found uh, on a Wikipedia page about curling this quote, and I want to share it with you this morning. It says, um, actually, let me stop. Before I get to, before I get to this, I first wanted to make sure and say I'm really glad that we have all our kids and youth with us this morning. So if you're uh, like, a, like a kid or if you're normally, normally not here in the service, raise your hand so I can see you because I want to make sure and really welcome you. I'm really glad you're here this morning. Good, good. I'm glad you guys are here. And um, I want, I know you've been welcomed a couple times, but personally as a speaker this morning, I'm really glad you're here. I think you're an important part of our ability to be able to worship God. And so your presence here, we can learn from you and you can learn from us. And I know you have some stuff to work on uh, during the sermon, and I encourage you to do that. But I'm also, just want to warn you, I'm going to ask you guys to engage with people around you a little bit in a little while, too. So uh, I want to help you come along with us on this journey through Scripture. So, okay, thank you. I'm glad you're here. Okay, so curling. So curling is the sport where, where, they, where they push this rock down the ice. Did you see this in the Olympics? And I think it gained popularity because it's one of those sports that we look at that and we go, I can do that. Right? We can, we can, um, 
we can push a, a, a thing down the, down the thing. It's, it's like not that much different than like shuffleboard or something like that. And so why is it called curling? This is what I found when I looked it up on the Wikipedia page. Um, players push the rock on ice toward a target. The path of the rock may be further influenced by two sweepers with brooms who accompany it as it slides down the sheet and sweep the ice in front of the stone. Quote, sweeping a rock decreases the friction which makes the stone travel a straighter path with less curl and a longer distance. And what I want to talk with you this morning is about being a sweeper for young people coming to Jesus. In a seminar that I uh, got to be a part of with a guy named Mark Ostriker, he's a writer and speaker in youth ministry worlds, um, he'd gone through this um, seminar teaching us about youth culture, and at the end he asked this very provocative question. And the question was, do we see teenagers as a problem to solve or a wonder to behold? Do we see teenagers as a problem to solve or a wonder to behold? And you probably won't be surprised to hear that this morning, my encouragement will be for us to see children, youth, young adults, young people, all of the others among us as wonders to behold. And my hope is that we will see the opportunity to sweep a path and we'll say to ourselves, I can do that. So I'm going to be speaking out of Luke chapter 18. So if you have a Bible, you can grab and and, uh, turn there. Um, It'll be up on the screen as well. But my main point is really simple this morning. We are called to make pathways to Jesus for others. We are called to make pathways to Jesus for others. So Luke chapter 18, verse 15 is where we'll start. It says this, people were also bringing babies to Jesus to have him touch them. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. Now, this is, a, this is an easy situation for me to picture in my mind, right? Jesus is um, teaching. There are crowds of people around, right? And uh, Jesus is, is conveying important truths. Um, the disciples are there, and they're taking their role as disciple very seriously. Um, Jesus is talking about very adult and important things. And um, these kids, these children, and, and parents and mothers with babies are getting in the way of accomplishing these very important adult things, right? Um, and so they're inconvenient, and they become a problem. And so the disciples come to the conclusion that they need to keep these kids and uh, these young people in the right place. And I have to admit that if I were in that situation, I would probably have done the exact same thing. I would have looked at the situation and said, all these kids, they're not, they're not in the right place. We need to put them in the right place. The word here um, that's translated babies is the Greek word prephos, and it means a very small child. In verse 16, which we'll get to in a second, and um, there are parallel passages that also have the same story in the Gospels. The Greek word used is paedon, and that's a child normally below the age of puberty. And so we can see that in this chap, in this verse, really, um, we're talking about young people. And babies and little children aren't the only ones that are inconvenient 
uh, among us. Uh, we have middle schoolers, which we all know are inconvenient, right? And high schoolers, they're inconvenient. Young adults, uh, there are a lot of uh, very inconvenient people in uh, our, our world and around us. And so this is definitely including all of those. And, and our, today, more than ever, the teen, teen culture, the culture that's around um, being the teen world is, is different than we experienced when, as adults, we're teenagers ourselves. And I think that, um, that the difference between being an adult and a teen today is much bigger than it was for us when we were teenagers and the adults that were in our lives. And that's happened a lot of different ways. One of them is that uh, as our culture has moved forward, we have switched from um, elevating and, and uh, admiring and looking forward to growing old. Um, that used to be um, what we would elevate. Our culture valued wisdom and, the, and age and uh, the, what came with growing older. But today, our culture has flipped that, and we value youth above all. And so it used to be that young people looked forward to when they were older, and they had the respect and the maturity of the age. But now older people are actually trying their best to be younger because they want to try to, because we've we've come to a place in our culture where we elevate youth above almost everything else. In In the Jesus' time, that wasn't the case. The kids were actually kind of disregarded. And so that's part of the reason why the disciples are here rebuking the parents after, the, after they bring them forward. Another big change that's happened today is that it used to be maybe 50 years ago that people would, um, would try to figure out their identity based on um, their belief. Um, students these days and always are developing three tasks, identity, autonomy, and belonging. And maybe like 50 years ago, they would ask, who am I? And then they would um, find out where they belong. But today, students are asking, where do I belong? And then determining what they believe and their identity based on where they find belonging. They, they first ask, if I find belonging, I will maybe look at your behaviors and try them on to see if they work, and then I'll consider the beliefs behind that. And for anybody that is over 40 like me, that's very inconvenient. <laughs> that's a problem. That's very different than what we are used to, what we grew, what we grew up with. Um, and so our young people, the people that are among us, they can be a challenge sometimes. Um, but they're not the only inconvenient people. And without a doubt, Jesus in this passage is, is, the context is talking about young people. But I think that the principles that Jesus is going to talk about as we go through this passage clearly apply to all of the inconvenient people around us. And, and by that I mean anybody that's not like us. They don't think like us. They don't look like us. They don't act like us. This could include addicts sexual minorities, people with disabilities, single moms, all of these groups that have been felt like they have been put in their place within our churches. They are the inconvenient ones around us. And just like children, youth, and young people, we have had a tendency to say, this is, this is a problem that we need to solve, and we're going to put it in our place. 
the disciples naturally looked to solve the problem that was before them, and they said to themselves, hmm, how do we make this situation less inconvenient and, dis- and disruptive as possible? And, and so their response was to rebuke them and to put them in the right place. And I think we often do that. We solve problems by putting them in the right place. And sometimes, and in this case with the disciples, we actually push people further away from Jesus. A rebuke is a hard word of correction. Um, and so what I want to do is, is just take a moment to, for us to explore what does it mean to rebuke and is it possible to give a word of correction that is kind. And so I want to take, you, take a moment, and the kids, this is your big chance, especially so kids if you're here, to turn to a neighbor and uh, find, a, find somebody, and I want you to give an example of a rebuke that is harsh and uh, might push somebody, somebody away. All right, so, so find a neighbor. One person give an example of a rebuke that is harsh and might push somebody away. And then the other person give an example of a, re, of, uh, of a word of correction that is kind. Right, very simple. So go ahead and do that with your neighbor. First one is say a correction in a way that pushes somebody away and one of the ways is kind. Go ahead with, with, your, with your neighbor. Go ahead and share that with you. Especially kids. Make sure the kids get engaged. <clears throat> Okay, that shouldn't take too long. I'm sure we've got some good examples. I'm going to move on. <laughs> now, um, it, the, the giving, a, giving a word of correction that is kind is, uh, is, is sometimes challenging. It might be easier now, you know, as you're kind of not in, a, in the heat of a moment, but it's harder sometimes when, uh, when we are talking about um, a correction that is in the context of um, maybe losing, um, um, I'm sorry, I lost my place. It's easier now that when the wonder of kids are threatening to damage our facility, our reputation, our budget, our ears, or the way we are doing things. Sometimes it can be a challenge in the middle of those difficult times to correct in a way that is kind. The problem is that when we see children and others as problems, we forget that they are people and that they are wonderful. And that's something that every parent knows, is that their child is wonderful. My wife and I, when we had our son, we um, made a pact to each other that we would not allow him to disrupt our lives. We were going to keep everything just like it had been. <laughs> and, um, and so we like to go to movies a lot. And so when my son was an infant, we went to go, we took him to go see a movie with us. And we were like, we're just going to like, he's just going to sleep through the movie. We're going to keep him close, whatever. And uh, uh, we learned the hard way, right? That it, he did actually did pretty well, but near the end, uh, my wife had to get up and kind of take him to the back and, and take care of him. But um, after that, we realized, okay, there's more um, uh, that, that he's going to be a disruption in our life, right? But because of our love for him, it was well worth it. We were willing to embrace that disruption because we wanted him to be part of our lives. And we wanted to open up pathways for him to be connected with us. And so that's what Jesus is going to talk to us about as we continue on on our passage. So let's look at, um, at Luke 18, uh, 16, where it talks about the pathways that Jesus wants us to make for children and young people in our midst. 
It says this, but Jesus called the children to him and said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. So once again, I'm picturing the situation. Jesus is teaching. There's these parents bringing babies and the disciples are rebuking them saying, no, you've got to go. And Jesus calls out over their rebuke. And he calls to those children. He says, come to me. And I could imagine the disciples as they're in the middle of their rebuke, like freezing, right? And like, oh, and um, Jesus, I imagine him like gesturing, like, come to me, to this children. And the disciples, I would imagine, quickly realize their mistake. And so they turn from their rebuke and they, they start, they start making a pathway in the crowd of people. They start pushing people aside to say, make a way for these children to be able to come to Jesus. And this passage gets me really excited. This this idea of, of working hard to make a pathway to accommodate children so that they can come to Jesus is awesome. The word translated let here in the NIV and in the King James Version, suffer, suffer the children to me, is the Greek word aphemi, and it means to allow or to permit or to leave space for. And in this passage, I think Jesus is saying to the disciples as they're in the middle of their rebuke, hold up, wait a minute. These children are a wonder to behold. They are in the right place. Make space for them to come to me. Make a path for them to get to me. And so today in our churches, we, I think, work really hard Uh, We do some great things to help open up pathways for children and young people to come to Jesus. And one of the very effective ways that we do that is um, by making space for them in our budget and with our facilities and with our staff. And um, I am 100% behind age-specific programs and classes with developmentally appropriate content. It's great, and it's absolutely essential, I think, for a church to thrive. It helps kids to find Jesus. And I'm thrilled by the work that Kara and Cindy are doing here in this church as I have gotten to know them and seen them. The, the, what we talked about, so the slam trip this morning was awesome and all those kind of things. There's a lot, I think, of really good ways that our, this church is making space in budget, staff, and space for kids. And so what I want to do is just encourage you once again to turn to your neighbor. And kids, this is your really big chance to shine. I want you to share with a neighbor what is one of your favorite events, programs, or people in your, in your like family ministry, in your ministry to, to young people um, in this church. Share what is your favorite. As an, as an adult, maybe it's something you participate in or maybe you've seen, you think, this is really cool. So just take a moment in your, in your, with your partner to share what's one thing that stood out to you, a favorite thing in the family ministry of this church. Go ahead. How many of you guys said slam trips? A couple? Okay, okay. <laughs> okay, so those are fantastic, and I'm really, really glad for this church and what it is doing in those ways. But I do want to ask you to be careful and give a word of warning, because staff and facilities and budget can sometimes simply be a solution for a problem. 
Um, they can be a way to get kids and youth out of our hair so that we can be church and do church the way we like it, to minimize their disruption and inconvenience. Um, staff, budget, and facilities do not absolve all of our responsibility to be um, the people who are making pathways for kids to come to Jesus. It falls on all of us. And it can't, so it can't be the only path to make, um, help young people come to Jesus in the church. And retention rates, um, if you know some, any statistics, reflect that. If all that kids and youth know of a church is their very um, specific programs that are, that are very carefully tailored to be just right for them, if that's all they know, then they become adults and they start to join into the larger church and it's a very different experience, then they will say, wait, this isn't what I like, and they will leave. But if they are able to build community with the people here, they will stay. And I think that's what Jesus tells us about in the next verse. So let's look at um, verse 17, belonging to the kingdom. Luke 18, 17 says, Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. So here, Jesus makes this personal for all of us. He not only welcomes the child and says, come to me, but then he elevates the child and he says, be like this. Um, The story, this story is told in the context of Jesus talking about humility and our need to be humble. In the immediately preceding passage, Jesus says, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Jesus is telling us to be small, to be powerless, and to be dependent on others, like a young person. And especially in how you relate to others that aren't like you. Um, I think Jesus is telling us that we are not too good to need relationships with other people that are not like us, people that are younger than us, or people that are older than us, people with a different cultural background than us, people from a different economic background from us. We are not too good to need people that are different from us in our lives. And we need to build community like kids do. We need to be eager to form new friendships and become fast friends with others in minutes. And that's why um, relationships, I think, are the key to this. Relationships are the key to building pathways to Jesus that will make a lasting, important impact. Remember we talked about earlier that young people are looking to belong before they will consider belief? Marco Stryker, who I, I quoted earlier, asks another very important question. In, the, in that context, how do we create unconditional belonging that will lead to belief? How do we create unconditional belonging that will lead to belief for our young people, but for all of the others that are around us? If young people know that this is a group of adults that they belong with, 
then they'll want to continue being a part of this once they become an adult. And that will happen through significant relationships. The music, the messages, the decor might not be exactly what young people would want. I'm not saying it isn't, Greg. I'm not worried. Um, so I'm just, I, I, you know, okay. Um, but if they feel unconditionally loved, they will be compelled to stick. And it happens through relationships. Sticky Faith is a, is a book that Fuller Institute put out, and they did some research on this. And they say that every young person needs to have five significant relationships with people in the church for them to stick, for them to feel compelled to continue to be a part of the church once they become an adult. It goes beyond staff. It goes beyond parents and volunteers. And it goes to all of us. And that's the only way this will happen for the young people in our world, in this community, within this church, not just the young people, but the others as well, for them to be able to find a pathway to Jesus that's going to be significant, that's going to lead to life change, um, a belonging. It will only come through belonging that leads to belief. Um, it's not a program. It's not hand-holding. You, it's you being brave and reaching out to the other the child, the teen, the young adult, the other. It's your hand, your friendship. It is a pathway to Jesus. And saying, you're saying, you are my people. You belong here. You are important enough for me to step out of my comfort zone, to invite you into my life, is going to be formational for their identity. Relationships, they form out of shared experience and story, and identity comes from relationships. And so I think this starts by us considering Jesus' words about what it means to really receive the kingdom as a child. And it's about attitude and posture and seeing the other person as a wonder. Um, And I think we need to pray. It begins with prayer. Pray for the young people and for the others in your church and in your community in the world around you. Pray for them. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you a gut check. To ask yourself, how do you really feel about the idea of reaching out and building a pathway to that young person? Do you see them as a problem or a wonder? How does your heart respond to the idea of building that relationship? Does it go, ugh, or do you go, yay? Ask the Holy Spirit to develop a response of wonder in your heart. I believe that's where it begins. I find it helpful myself to realize that I am also the inconvenient other person. That I needed somebody to reach out to me. I am in need of God's grace, acceptance, and healing just like the people around me. So I want to encourage us to be builders of pathways for others to come to Jesus. Let us be the sweepers who go alongside to reduce the friction so that others can reach the target. Um, During a time between my serving as a youth pastor in in a church, my wife and I tried out a few different churches to attend. And there was this one near where we lived that... um, 
we had heard some really good things about it, so we went to attend it, and we liked it. We liked the teaching. We liked the worship. We liked um, a lot about it. But after we had gone a few Sundays, we realized we hadn't met anybody other than the guy at the door that said, welcome. We hadn't literally talked to a single person in the church. And we thought, that's kind of weird. Um, that's an important probably part of us being part of this church that we want to be part of it. So we thought maybe we would go to the Wednesday night Bible study because um, that's probably going to be a smaller group that's going to be more likely to connect, right? So that's what we did. So we um, were driving there on a Wednesday night, and on the way there, we're talking about this, and I turned to my wife and I said, you know, if they do a greeting time, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to on purpose, like, not be the person to reach out my hand and, and say, how, you know, my name's Eric, just to see what happens. I'm going to see if anybody re- will reach out to me. And we're, so we're talking about it some more, and I was like, but, you know, what if, what if there's somebody else there that's their first time? I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to leave them out, you know, oh, whatever. So, anyway, of course, we get there, and we get there for this Bible study, and they, they, they do. They do a time where they say, okay, turn and greet your neighbor. And sure enough, Melanie's standing here, I'm standing here, and all, everyone around us turns to each other to talk, and, and Melanie and I are standing here, and there's a guy next to me nobody's talking to. And so we go, okay. So I turn to him and say, hey, my name's Eric. And he goes, hi, my name is uh, Jim, or whatever it was. And we get to talking, and it turns out it was his first time there. <laughs> and, uh, and he didn't know anybody either, so we talked, and it was good, or whatever. And I was like, oh, man. So I was really glad that I had done that, because um, he needed to be welcomed just like I did, too. But you may imagine that ultimately we decided not to be part of that church because we did not feel welcome. Um, in contrast, we ended up shortly after that going to another church where within um, maybe the first or second week that we were there, uh, there was a young adults group. And they, um, they saw us and they came up to us and they made sure we felt welcome and they invited us to come to be a part of that group. And that was actually a covenant church. In, uh, in our area, and that's what led to us in eventually becoming part of the Covenant Church. And it was some people that saw some young adults, some young people in their midst that were new, they were strangers, they were the others, and they were willing to say, um, let's go out of our way to make a pathway for them to become into our church in order to belong and invite them into our lives. And that's now part of our story. Jesus is calling all of the children, the others, the youth, the young adults, the elderly. He's calling us all, and he says, let them come to me. The question is, will we put them in their place or make a pathway for them to get to Jesus? Will we see them as problems to solve or wonders to behold? Let's pray. Thank you, God, so much for your word. Um, and the, that you are speaking to us today in so many ways. I ask that you would help me to grow in my ability to see the others around me, the people that are looking for belonging so that I can see them with your eyes and be willing to step out of my comfort zone to come alongside them, to sweep a path to help them to be able to come closer to you. And I pray that for this church as well, for the young people and for the others that are in their midst, that this body would be known as a place where others belong and that they will come and find you. Um, Work in us to accomplish your goals 
in our community and in our world. In your name, amen.